Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process, and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finances Factor. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we've been talking a lot, if you follow any of the content that I've been putting out, whether it's with these podcasts, my newsletters, my social media feeds, you've heard a lot about housing and inventory shortages. You certainly don't need to run to me to find that level of content. You can frankly find it on any business channel out there. The news around housing is simply inventory. Just did an episode about buying and selling off market. Um, and then the next kind of phase to that is really developing that inventory in many, <laughs> many respects. Um, so for a little uptown girl like myself, I thought I would find myself a downtown man. And I wanted to invite on Nick Pelletier of Pelletier Properties out of Keller Williams. Um, Nick, welcome to Finance with Factor. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. It's my pleasure. Um, so Nick, you've kind of become the downtown man of Fitchburg in many ways. Um, and I'd love to pick your brain and learn a little bit more about what you have going on. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Nick is a realtor with Keller Williams out of the North Central office. Um, and, and perhaps you can introduce yourself and, and we can jump into the content. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, Fitchburg has always, people always say that Fitchburg has a, a spot in my heart. I, people say it all the time, like, you know, Nick has just got a thing for Fitchburg. And, and the reality is, um, you know, my family's from Fitchburg. Um, and I, when I started investing, um, you know, about 10 years ago in real estate as part of my business, it, for me, I saw so much potential in Fitchburg. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Fitchburg and Lemonster in general, they, you know, they're often referred to as the Twin Cities. I saw so much potential for where these two cities used to be, you know, 50, 60 years ago and where we can push them going forward. And to your point, uh, when it comes to real estate inventory in general, we've actually seen a significant uptick in desire to move to Fitchburg and Lemonster and the surrounding areas as COVID has changed the, the way people live, right? And yeah. so um, as we look at that, our rental prices have increased dramatically. Our inventory has decreased dramatically. Our prices, of course, have gone up accordingly. And it's all great and, stuff. And welcome to the national trend of real estate. Exactly, right? <laughs> Everything's and, more expensive and there's less to buy. <laughs> and it's all great stuff. And, and what we see firsthand on a day in and day out basis is that we need to continue to push things forward. And, and the way we're yeah. doing that right now is by really focusing in on the great opportunity that is the Main Street of Fitchburg. It's been an underutilized area for, for, for years. But- you're not just some realtor sandbagging me into coming to visit Fitchburg. You're actually in the game and, sure. and, and investing in the town. And perhaps we could start with, you know, so the how and the why yep. you obviously, you knew the town, you grew up there, you saw an opportunity. What, what have you done as that next step to sort of start, 
I hate coach speak and the, the idea of putting the money where your mouth is, but like, what have you done to start investing in town? Yeah. So we start, we started small, right. Over the course, we, over the course of 10 years, I flipped a lot of properties. Um, and I, and I got, you know how everything in life, you kind of hit a point where you're, you've kind of been there, done that, right. You, you, you accomplish mm-hmm. what you wanted to accomplish and you're looking for something different. And so um, I knew I was ready for something a little bigger and it was about finding the right spot where I could truly have an impact. All of my, the biggest thing for me about investing in real estate is that I can have such a strong impact in an area by just one project, right? You, you, we all know that um, you have that one house that kind of gets renovated on a given street and it starts to kind of pull everything up around it as people kind of start to fix up their properties, for example. Um, and for me, I, I was very lucky to find an opportunity right in downtown Fitchburg on a lot that uh, once held the Crescent Building, which was a very historic building in town, burned down um, in 2005, 2006. Uh, a developer started to build townhouses on the lot after um, after the property had burned down. And unfortunately, during the financial collapse, the project collapsed, and for you know over. So it was 2005, so over almost 15 years, that property sat vacant, um, had foundations, believe it or not, in the ground, um, all overgrown. And it kind of became a symbol for a lot of people locally of what had happened to Fitchburg, right? It was a, it was a, an eyesore in one spot that I think for a lot of people saw the loss of hope in, in where mm-hmm. things were going. Um, so we jumped on it and we bought it. We were able to acquire it. Um, and we finished the project. The foundations were um, certified. Everything was good. And, and we moved forward and we built seven townhouses, um, new construction, uh, rentals, all fully rented within a couple of weeks. Um, and now that one lot is totally transformed, right? And you yeah. start to hear the buzz. Um, and we're so lucky that that has been complemented with some other developments. Um, you know, I look at it as a triangle um, and I, I kind of describe it this way all the time that any sort of revitalization or renaissance in any area, um, especially a downtown, is going to involve a triangle of business development, commercial development, and residential development. The reality is if you build too many houses without the businesses the people are looking for to enjoy, uh, you, won't, you won't have the, the wealth mm-hmm. of people coming in to live there. If you start opening a ton of businesses, but you don't have the people living there to support it, the businesses are going to struggle. So I look at going around that triangle over and over again really fast. We get new residential development, new business. And we've been very lucky that as we built our development, a couple new restaurants opened. Um, and you know, we also have a new development now, new residential development right down the street. And that's so like that's the, the cycle, if you will. You talk about ding, 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 going around that triangle as quickly as you can. That cycle, this isn't just a story of Fitchburg in many ways. This is a story of many, whether it's small or even large towns, right? So you can talk about, heck, I drove down Newbury Street the other day and saw a bunch of vacant windows. And it was it was kind of off-putting is the, the wrong word, but it was unsettling, right? It was like, I haven't seen that in many, many years. Um, probably since like 2009. Yeah. Um, and so completing that cycle as quickly as you can, it what does that do for the town itself in terms of the property values and and how you see that sort of sunshine radiate out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for in a lot of cases, um, and to use a to use the word that you know I already used it, the foundation, right? When you, these developments become the foundation of that community, um, so they kind of hold things to a certain level, right? And 
once that foundation is secure and you have the things to do in an area, um, people are going to stay, right? They're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to stick, they're going to stick around. Um, and that's, that's important to community development and community stabilization is people that really want to be somewhere, right? They, they develop those relationships in the community and, and development, smart development, to be clear, um, because I think that's another important part too. You yeah. just don't start throwing things up, right? No. But well thought out development. That- <laughs> that's that's the old that's the old adage of East Boston. As soon as you start developing East Boston, the economy tanks. Yeah. Like if you yeah. want to destroy the global economy, just start building an Eastie. <laughs> and and for me, it's it's about smart development, right? You got things that fit that fit, yeah. and they look like I prefer developments that look like they've always been there, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, and so. For me, that that serves as your foundation of your community, and it really holds things together. Um, and I think that's what we're doing right now is we're still building that foundation of Fitchburg, and it's come a long way. So, how do you, as you go through this process, um, and again, this is actually you personally in some respects going through this process. How do you balance out the need for revitalization and inventory and commerce with? Aunt Marge, who says this isn't the way Fitchburg used to be anymore. I think Fitchburg has a, is a slightly, you, you, what you said definitely is, um, is common, right, in development. With that being said, I do think Fitchburg in particular, um, 99% of the people are, are looking for what can we do differently. Because, you know, at some point you do realize that what you were doing wasn't working. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, at some point, driving down Main Street and having all the second and third floors and fourth floors vacant isn't working. Right. It's, yeah. it's not working. Um, it's not, trying not, to it's trying to be a vineyard and growing raisins. Absolutely. Right. And when I say smart development, you know, we're not looking to, you know, knock on someone's door and be like, sell your house. We're going to build something here. You know, this is about really taking advantage of the things that are already there. Right. We're talking about buildings that already exist, um, underutilized in many cases. Um, and figuring out ways. So in, in our lifestyle is very different than it used to be. We don't need the commercial offices that we used to need. We don't necessarily need as much retail as we used to need. So it's about re-envisioning these properties. Um, and in many cases, the, the biggest thing right now is re-envisioning them for residential um, and making it so that, you know, Fitchburg in its day, downtown was a destination where you went to work and you kind of, you know, yeah, you, back you out grabbed your lunch pail and your hard hat and exactly. you, you had lunch at the coffee place next door. And yeah. And that's and not so necessarily we're, the case we're now. Envisioning, we're envisioning a place where people will live and, mm-hmm. and potentially work. But um, that's, I think it's about, it's about doing it right, taking advantage of the things we already have, not necessarily, um, you know, changing what we have, but reusing it in a new light. At the beginning of the year last year, I guess, um, somewhere uh, shortly, it was, it was probably late, it was probably around this time of year last year, I did an interview for an episode with the mayor of Amesbury. And we were talking about some of the initiatives that she did um, to sort of balance out that homework kind of trend that we're seeing in that, like, now you were spending all your time in Amesbury, <laughs> which is another yeah. kind of small New England town, right? And yep. so the idea was like, you used to, this used to be more of a commuting town and we would go elsewhere and now we're here all the time. So having those outsources, I imagine as you're going through these projects and at this point it's projects and not just a project, um, you've been working very closely with municipalities to sort of build this vision. I I would struggle to believe that this is just Nick putting his thumbprint on Fitchburg. No, you know, all these, 
any sort of revitalization or renaissance requires a lot of hands, right? And Pittsburgh's really lucky right now in that it has a lot of really passionate hands involved, right? There's a couple, a couple developers who are actively working on projects on Main Street right now. Um, we are excited that we just acquired a property right across the street from our recent project. I like to do projects really close to each other, right? It's about, mm -hmm. it's about really having that impact. And the more you do in one area, the better. Um, at the same time, um, Tom with the city planning department is a great resource. The, the Liz over there as well. Um, the mayor, the, the, the staff has provided us with a lot of conversation and, and a lot of opportunities to hear about what's coming. Um, we have a really exciting development coming in the old theater block. A great opportunity to bring, you know, theater back to sure. um, the old BF Brown School is going to be revitalized into kind of an artist community, lofts and, and art space right across the street from the Pittsburgh Art Museum. Um, that's one of the cool things about Pittsburgh. So it's building it the synergies the within yeah. that triangle as you're dinging around. You're yeah. building synergies and blocks and neighborhoods. And it's, to your point earlier, it's strategic. It's not just happenstance. And, and we're very lucky. We have Pittsburgh State College, which has done a ton of work at, you know, continuing to strategically expand their footprint to revitalize some areas that, that really needed it. Um, and so I think all those groups work together and there's some great, um, there's some great organizations you know, that meet up and, and talk through some of these problems. And um, also making sure that we take advantage of construction, you know, has become extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. Materials, labor, everything. So to make some of these projects work, we really do have to take advantage of the programs that are out there um, and making sure that we're aware of those programs. It's amazing the number of programs that are out there that people have no idea exist. Um, and that's where and partnering with your municipalities can be so important. Absolutely, absolutely. They're the ones who hear about it. So making sure that, um, we're in touch with them to make sure we're, we're using the best. Because the reality is I can make a better development if there's a program that allows me to financially do it, right? And yep. um, so that's, yeah, we, we use it on Crescent Street. Um, we're, we're looking to use a, a similar program on our Main Street development. So I know you're involved in some of these developments, but for you, it's also about the infrastructure in and around these developments. I know you're intimately involved in a charter school and some of the other supporting kind of infrastructure needs that you need in order to support this kind of growth? And how does that fit into that triangle? Absolutely, right? So um, it's a key component. It's funny when I was, uh, so I was, as you mentioned, I was on the board of uh, St. Bernard's High School when it was uh, re-envisioned. Re it was a diocesan school um, through the Worcester Diocese. We took it over as a private school um, with a private board of trustees uh, to really save the school. It was on the, the verge of collapse. And so um, it's funny when I was doing that, I talked a lot to a lot of different people about how, you know, I went to St. Bernard's. I was, I was passionate mm -hmm. about saving St. Bernard's. And I was passionate because from a real estate perspective, the last thing Pittsburgh needed was to see something know, else crumble. Acres of vacant property. Yeah. And how it was possibly going to be reused or revitalized was, was a severe question. We're talking about, you know, a property that's not an easy residential con conversion. Yeah. We're talking about multiple acres of fields and so for us, um, I look at all those pieces as, as part of the puzzle, right? We, we saved the school. We also um, have continued to improve that school. So now it serves as a resource that not only brings people into the city, um, you know, we're not in conflict. I think the most important thing is we're not, we're not in conflict with the city of Pittsburgh because we run a private school, right? It's not, we're not mm -hmm. looking at it as taking kids from, 
Fitchburg. We're actually looking at it as bringing people from other communities into Fitchburg to, you know, bring their kids to school, stop at the gas station, maybe grab their groceries on the way out. Um, that's what it's about. And so that was the biggest thing with the school. And, and you know, I have the luxury uh, right now of, of serving as the president of the North Central Mass Association of Realtors, which was a true, it is a true honor. And that's a key group, right? That's your 550 yep. plus realtors in North Central Mass, Athol to, you know, let's say Shirley. And um, it's extremely exciting to work with that group to see how we can, uh, you know, leave our fingerprint on everything that's going on locally. Um, because the reality is, you know, yes, realtors, uh, I should say real estate agents, um, you know, we're, we're in the business of buying and selling properties. And at the same time, not one real estate agent will tell you that they enjoy this low inventory market. They, you know, a lot of people yeah. say, oh, your job must be so easy right now. And it's like, no, it's just the opposite. Yeah. Uh, well, last week I spoke with, um, Max Perkins on Nantucket and he mentioned that typically this time of year, there would be 300 listings. Now there are 45. Yeah. And, and, and so what you're doing in Fitchburg to sort of reinvent and reimagine so many spaces and bring new inventory, frankly, it's, it's part of the answer, right? Like, Absolutely. so how does that impact housing itself? And, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll let you answer it first and I can share some yeah. personal examples as well, but how does what you're doing to kind of re-envision and revitalize and bring new listings to market through your development, how does that impact the housing values in and around your developments as it radiates out? Yeah, so I think there's two different pieces to that, that question. The first piece is, you know, sometimes people look at it, they're like, well, you're building apartments. We have, we have a housing shortage. And I'm like, well, the reality is apartments and single family homes and multifamilies, whenever there's a shortage, any sort of increase in any of those areas will, will, the tide will rise in all. Because the reality is a lot of people that are looking to sell their house need to find somewhere to go. And sometimes that is a rental. And if they're not able to find a rental, they don't list their house. And that's something that we're dealing with a lot right now. So mm -hmm. rentals will bring more listings. Um, it, it's a nature of the real estate market always turning. Um, and I think on that same note, it's important to, as properties sell, and as real estate turns over, the reality is typically new owners bring new imagination to their properties, right? A lot of new owners put money into their properties. So keeping that real estate market turning uh, helps with our local housing inventory. It helps with our communities. Um, and at the end of the day, we need, um, it's so important to have new people getting involved in these efforts. Um, and that's what, you know, whether people are, I, I have some people living in my, my townhouses in, on Crescent Street that were really excited to come to Fitchburg when they, um, when they got the opportunity. And so they're now, you know, a piece of that downtown neighborhood. Um, and, and the hope is that when they go to, you know, purchase a house that they'll look in Fitchburg to buy. Well, and the only way to change a narrative is to change the people telling the story. Exactly. Right. So I can think back to some personal examples. I bought my first condo in in at the time what was nicknamed Slummerville in an area of <laughs> Somerville um and, and like I remember I remember it's so funny because I, I should actually pull up the the picture but I texted a friend a couple of weeks ago I was out at a restaurant Sarma which is right where the brand new tea station is going yep. in in Somerville and across the street was an apartment building and I texted it to my friend Laura because I used to walk her home 
every single time she would come to hang out at our house. And then on the way back, I would call my wife and pretend to talk on the phone and talk to her on the way back because we were always afraid someone like from some local gang and a machete was going to come out and chop our head off. And like, it was just a very different place than sitting outside on the patio of Sarma, you know, in what's now beautiful Somerville. Um, And so, but like the only way that that transformation happens is with the storyteller, right? Yeah, we had the same, so we had the same problem um, with St. Bernard's High School, right? With St. Bernard's, we had to change that narrative. Now that was a small, that was an easier narrative to change because we were working with, you know, a group of alumni and we were, we were working with- And, and the storytellers the change every four years entirely. Yeah, exactly, true. Changing the narrative in a city is a lot harder. You have a mm-hmm. lot more people inputting and um, it's tough. I, I, you know, I'll tell you, I've had some people look at me and really question um, <laughs> some, of these, some of these development decisions because they haven't been in downtown recently, right? These people were, were in Fitchburg a long time ago. And as they saw things start to um, struggle, they, they left and they, they didn't come back. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're, to your point, as you start to get some more people living down in, on the Main Street corridor, and bringing those stories back, um, it's going to take time. You know, I still think we're we're five to ten years. Um, you know, I think we're five to ten years to go to really start to see what we're hoping for. I think, you know, Lowell had its revitalization. Worcester is now right at you know basically right right past their their huge movement um, that they've made. Prices in Worcester have have skyrocketed with that mm-hmm. with that push. Um, I really truly believe that Fitchburg and Lemister are, are right behind that because it comes down to just access and it's very easy to get a lot of places from Fitchburg and Lemister. And that's, that's the key to, um, you know, why, why it will be a great hub, uh, continue to, to grow. And, mm-hmm. and you spoke about Worcester and its revitalization and then the spillover effect that that has into towns. How does the renovation and um, reinvestment in a particular, particularly a downtown area spill out into the other areas in and around it? And, and, and I, I would be curious how important that triangle that you spoke of earlier is in safeguarding the value that you bring. Yeah, absolutely. So the more the more times you go around that triangle, the more you're solidifying that foundation to make sure that things don't go backwards, right? The more the more new businesses you put in that are supported by new residential development that then is supported by updating our commercial developments to make sure our businesses have homes. Um, that foundation is just getting more secure, more solid. Um, it's providing a floor where really at some point, um, it's, it's hard for things to, to go backwards. You know, Mm -hmm. we, everyone's asking when the, when the real estate market's going to collapse. Um, and my answer to everyone is I, I honestly don't think this situation we're in right now can be compared to any situation we've been in prior. Um, it, I understand that real estate always goes up and down. I, and I, and I don't, do not deny the past. Yep. I also look at where we are right now and say, you know, overall, all of our economic factors are in pretty good shape right now. Um, well, and historically, it goes up and down with an upward trend, right? Of course. Yeah, so of course. It, goes, yeah. it goes from left to right, up and yeah. down along the way. And yeah. what you're talking about with the building that foundation, the more times you can go around that triangle, what you're really doing is you're, you're elevating the the safety net, right? So like I often talk about when you buy, for example, when you buy in a big complex, let's say I buy an apartment in an association with 
300 units. Mm -hmm. There's sort of a glass ceiling yeah. on the value that I can yeah. appreciate over time. Yeah. Right. And the only way to raise that glass ceiling is to raise the floor because yeah. every single time I buy or sell in that association, there's a comp that says, here's what your value is worth per square footage. Yeah. And so what you're doing by reinvesting in the foundation, reimagining downtown and spilling that sunshine out is you're sort of elevating the safety net of the properties, neighborhoods, and towns around you in many ways. Definitely. Well, I think, you know, it, it, keep in mind that, you know, Fitchburg's success and growth has a direct correlation with Winchington and Ashby and some of these much more rural towns that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who work in, let's say, Marlboro and Billerica. And to buy a house, let's say, in Ashby is challenging because that distance to get from, you know, the New Hampshire border down to Route 2 or, yep. or diagonally across and then commute. Um, so, if you start to provide more jobs and more opportunities in our local cities, um, a lot of those people, you know, many of them hopefully will live in the city where they're working. And at the same time, some of them looking for a more rural lifestyle will choose to invest in some of those local towns. Um, and, and I often, so like to your question before, people are, you know, everyone's forecasting something at some point. <laughs> it feels like everyone's always doomsdaying or, or, Naysaying something people, is going like to crash. People but, like to talk. People like to talk about you know anything, anything controversial, and and just. But the reality is, we don't, right? We don't know, and that and that and that's what I always say is like we don't know. But what you can see are the infrastructure and the things that are put in place to build those safety nets. And so, if you're in a town, if you're in in a town where you're getting that spillover effect, looking to the hub of that spillover and seeing. You know how have they they built up the infrastructure? How have they built up and developed commercial spaces? And what are they doing from a residential standpoint to support those commercial spaces and ensure that that cycle is continuing to ding around? That impacts the spillover, correct? Absolutely. And keep in mind that the pandemic has shifted forever in many cases how we approach real estate. What do I mean by that? What I mean is our, our commercial real estate will never be the same as it was pre-pandemic. Pre Part of that has been a long-standing transition away from, you know, our malls and our large retail establishments, you know, moving towards online shopping. Well, that was only pushed even faster. COVID basically came in and just accelerated that as much as possible, right? At the same time, in addition to having to re-envision our malls, um, we're also seeing, of course, a, a dynamic shift in how we work. Um, work from home, a lot more popular. Will we work from home forever? I, I don't know that for a fact, but I do think it's going to be much more doable, right? Uh, we all know how to use this thing called Zoom now. Um, and so the concept <laughs> of, I think, at least working from home more than we used to is going to be, uh, it's going to stay, right? There's, we always talk about there's going to be some things from COVID that are just going to stay and they're going to be the, the way forward. It, it, it was like, I mean, this is now a bad analogy, but it was like putting the VCR on fast forward in yeah. many ways in yeah. that like what, what was highlighted as an inefficiency was forced to become efficient. And yeah, some I of those hope, changes are never going to go back. I agree. I hope virtual notarization, you know, sticks around. That's not, I don't think it's official. We're moving yet. to a virtual closing model ourselves. Exactly. Um, right. Like there's certain so, things that, that just, that there's certain things that evolved yeah. out of hardship that will be hardened by convenience. 
and I think the reality is um, a lot of our a lot of our community struggled from okay this retail issue that was happening. Um, we also dealt with a lot of businesses that really kind of moved either to the city or moved out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're starting to see, and, and I hope sticks around, is that you know a lot of people are saying, I don't know if I want to live, you know, right in Boston, right? You know, I don't. They're, they're, but they're I still want the conveniences. Yeah, I, I moved out of a big city. I want the the more you know the smaller town life, but I still right. want some of those conveniences. And what yeah. you're doing by reimagining Fitchburg, it sounds like, is bringing um, some of those hub conveniences to a more localized place. We saw this renovation happen. Um, I don't know if you've looked at or studied some of the city hubs that they did down in Virginia um, with some of the development work that they did down there. But like concepts like Assembly Row in Somerville, yeah. Yeah. where where you've got access to, tra- to to public transportation and then literally never have to leave your neighborhood if you it's don't want to. It's literally its own city. It's, yeah. It's it's like, so city. these little micro city centers were yeah. built up all around um, Virginia. Okay. And, and like, I've seen a lot of that trending to even rural New England towns like yeah. in Amesbury and Newburyport. Um, you know, you're seeing it, heck, in my hometown in Hanover, like some big development commercial spaces going in that really kind of bring a lot of that local hub mentality. And I think the work that you're doing in Fitchburg should be commended because um, you're doing an incredible job. And the thumbprint that you're putting on that town, while certainly not individually, um, I hope will be very long lasting. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. And actually, you know what, um, as you mentioned, not, it's not by myself. Um, you know, my, my development on main street that I have coming up right now, I have, um, four, four different partners involved in it. Um, and for me now it's, it's actually by partnering with people, I think I, we can have a greater impact together. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next couple of years. And, um, You'll have to come out and check out the new developments in there. Oh, you can't stop me. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> well, if people do have questions, um, Nick is not a professional developer. Nick and his team are actually professional realtors. So if you're a developer looking to connect with someone like Nick or pick his brain on his experience with these with these projects, um, or simply you want to talk to the man who knows everything about Fitchburg in the local area. I mean, if you're looking to buy or sell in the area, Nick, what are the best ways for people to get a hold of you and your team? Sure. So you can find us um, online at pelletierprops.com. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, Pelletier Properties at Keller Williams North Central is our team. Um, you can call us at 978-674-7146. And my email address is npelletier. So and my first initial pelletier at aw.com. And I can assure you, Nick is insanely and absurdly uh, responsive. So if you do reach out, even if it's not his deal, um, if it's just a question, I mean, you mentioned that you're involved in some local realtor associations. So even if you're just a realtor out there that needs to pick Nick's brain on a particular thing, please, I encourage you to reach out. Actually, He's a wonderful resource. Just, just uh, someone reached out to me this morning. They want to get coffee, talk about things. So yeah, I'll, I'll figure it. I'll figure out how to put it in my schedule. <laughs> and in the meantime, I appreciate you making time for this in your schedule. I, I sincerely hope that everyone enjoyed this. Keep in mind, if you did enjoy this, we have upcoming content coming out every single week, a new podcast. I'm crazy fortunate that we have yet to repeat a single topic in our 100 plus episodes of this silly little thing that I do every Wednesday. Um, but 
I encourage you to download and follow every single new subscriber. I will make a $10 donation to the Friends of Boston Homeless. And with every $1,000 that we raise, that's actually enough money to bring one person off the street into permanent and safe and dignified housing. So it's a wonderful organization that I'm very proud to partner with. And with something as simple as stealing your partner's phone and clicking subscribe on their, on their podcast app, you can help make a contribution to revitalize someone's life, just like we've been talking about today. So thank you. I think I got like five people in the office back here. I'll go do some clicking. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) In the meantime, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.